Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. Welcome to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. Here, we dive into topics that reach far beyond the salon. I'm your host, Misty Jane. I'm a life and money coach for stylists who are obsessed with personal growth. I help you enhance your mindset around money, build a business that lights you up, and create a life of peace. Me and my guests are on a mission to normalize the wealthy stylist while creating a safe space to be perfectly imperfect. Wanna join me? then you're in the right place. Hello there, friends. Welcome back to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. We're having a very different conversation today. You know I like to talk about all the things, not just money, even though there will be a bit of a shift moving forward in 2024. We're still going to have these candid conversations about other things going on in the hair industry. And an aha moment that I had recently was kind of this thought process around the culture of the hair world and sobriety. I have been in this industry for 20 years and when I was younger, you know, hairstylists were very much known for their partying. Now here we are 20 years later, there is this growth mindset, there is this, um, you know, be the best version of yourself. And the more that I go to events of people that think this way and are kind of obsessed with growing internally, the more people I'm meeting who are sober. So I asked my friend Sarai Spear, she's the Platinum Giraffe on Instagram, to come on and just have an open, candid conversation with me about kind of how we've seen the industry change, what it means to be sober in the industry, um, and what that can look like. So again, this conversation is our opinions, our experiences, And we are just having an open talk that I think people need to hear Um, and take what you want, leave what you don't need, and let us know how this conversation resonates with you. Again, you can send her a DM or me a DM. Um, I will put both of our Instagram handles in the show notes. And I hope you enjoy this one, my friend. Also, if kids are in the car, we say fuck a lot, so sorry. Enjoy. Sarai, hello. Welcome back to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. Hey, I love that you're obsessed with me and can't get enough of me. Uh, duh. (laughs) Uh, duh. (laughs) I'm really pumped for this conversation because this is something that I had kind of on my mind after your retreat and just after a lot of conversations that I've had with other stylists um, who are finding themselves becoming sober, right? For various reasons. And I think that as somebody who's been in the industry for 20 years, I realized when I first started, we were very much known as like the party career, right? Like, I mean, I don't even know how many times I came in hungover. I mean, I've literally thrown up, you know, in between processing times when I was in my twenties and I've been to various bigger hair shows that it is literally set around the party or like they really promote the party. They have bars, you know, at every corner, there's alcohol everywhere. And I really just wanted to have a conversation about 
kind of how the industry is evolving. And I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older or, <laughs> or what the deal is, but I was like, who can I talk about this with? And I'm like, Sarai is perfect. <laughs> so let's start by you kind of telling your story and then we will kind of you know, evolve as the conversation does. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've been a hairstylist for, we're coming up on December 4th is 19 years. And I have seen the industry evolve and change and shift and grow so much. Um, you know, when I got into beauty school, I didn't know it at the time. I was already um, a high functioning alcoholic. I was not ready to admit it to myself, but I was definitely, I was a partier. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to beauty school, I was like, oh shit, this is so cool. Like I get to make people feel really pretty. We get to wear really cool clothes. We get to like gossip and talk shit. And we're like having so much fun. And then it was like drinks after school drinks, um, you know, on the weekends and like, oh my God, come over to my house. We'll go out. We'll party all night. It's just kind of this. I don't know, assumed lifestyle, um, at least when, when you and I went to school and it's so easy to get wrapped up in that. Mm -hmm. It looks like so much fun. Like you're out, you're going to clubs, you're, you're partying with people, you're meeting DJs or you're having the best times. And then you come back, especially in beauty school, or even in a salon setting, you come back from having an incredible weekend together with your friends. And then you're like all talking about it. And then, so if you are not part of it, suddenly you feel like there's something wrong with you. Like you're weird. And so for me, I became an alcoholic at the age of 19. Again, I, I didn't know it. I thought I was partying. I thought I was like, I would even say I at one point acknowledged binge drinking. I would not say I was an alcoholic. I wouldn't say that for another, I don't know, 15 years or so. Um, I have been clean and sober for 7.75 years. In Yay, March. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. In March, I will be celebrating um, eight years of being clean and sober. So I early on in, in beauty school got sucked into that and it continued in my career for the next 12 years. And, you know, I found myself at salons that I would say catered to and fostered this party lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, I personally, when I was drinking, I never went to hair shows, um, probably because I couldn't afford it. I was too busy buying drugs and alcohol and I hadn't, I didn't have a steady clientele. So I never went to them. I'd always, always heard stories and there's a notorious company um, that had the craziest parties. I'm talking blow back room, like shenanigans. And I always thought, oh my God, that would be so much fun to go to a hair show and just like blow lines with people and get wasted and have so much fun. And I always felt like I was missing out on things. So I had a tendency in my own life to choose these salons where the rules were lax. Um, or there was one salon in particular that I worked at that I, I didn't know this until later that he was actually a drug dealer and running a drug business through the salon. Oh, damn. But, yeah. I, I didn't know that shit. Uh, and when I did, I mean, I, I partook in it and I was like, oh shit. So the, that particular salon was kind of, um, I don't know. It kind of ran me into the ground in a sense of. I would work all day, but we had an open bar there for the guests. At the salon? At our salon, we had an open bar. Wow. Okay? So I'm, I don't know, in my late 20s, I'm partying my balls off. I'm coming to work, quote unquote, <laughs> disheveled as hell, but I'm, I'm in an environment that we all as a team did drugs together. We partied together. We stayed out. We went to clubs. We went to DJs. We did all these things together. And then we would go to work and we would get to serve our clients drinks. Now it wasn't necessarily told to us. We couldn't drink on the job. And so I took that as, oh, if my clients get a drink, well, shit, I'm going to get a drink. And at the time I thought it was fun. Misty, I thought it was me having fun with my clients and truly like living that quote unquote hairstylist life that, that you and I were raised in the industry to think about that, that party lifestyle. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously now I see it with completely different glasses and Jesus, fuck, what were we even doing? What was the salon doing? What the fuck was I doing? But it was so easy to just party all day, party all night. And then before you know it, I'm 35 years old. I am drinking at work every day. I am a, I would say I was a high functioning alcoholic until I wasn't. And I would get blackout drunk. And and part of my story, and I, I'm sure your listeners have already heard it. So I'll, I'll keep it short. And if not, you can probably go listen to some of the other podcasts that I've done with you. But um, I got blackout drunk on a Friday at work and I was 35 years old. And my owner was sick of my shenanigans. And she sent a message to me on Saturday. I called him Saturday because I, I got blackout drunk. Something very bad happened. I don't know. I don't care to know. Uh, my, I ended up making my assistant at the time quit. Um, people were so concerned about my behavior that they messaged the owner who was out of town. She said, she messaged me on Sunday and said, Hey, we need to have a meeting on Monday morning. And I need you to think about what this salon means to you, this, this family, this career, and what your family means to you. And so up until that point, I had switched job to job. I had job hopped, you know, I lost a job here, um, at that, the drug salon that I worked at the crazy open bar. I actually got fired because, um, I plowed the secretary's car into a line of cars. I know. I'd been up partying for three days straight with this group of humans. They wanted me to go get more alcohol. It was New Year's Day. We were all wasted. I drove. Um, I went and turned myself in, just FYI, people. Um, but I ended up losing my job for that. And so when she messaged me and said this, I thought, here we go again. Mm. Here we fucking go again, Sarai. And I was to the point where I was so sick and tired of being sick and fucking tired that when she gave me the opportunity, when I I walked in Monday and she said, what the fuck is going on with you? That was the moment where I was like, it's bitch. It's now or never. It's now or never. And I knew that I didn't want to live the life I was living anymore. I didn't know what it looked like to not live that way because my entire hairstyling career I've been an alcoholic and I've been an addict. And since I was 19 years old, I've been an alcoholic and an addict. But I knew that I didn't want to do things the way that I was doing them anymore. And I knew that I was going to die. I was either going to kill somebody. I was going to die myself. Or I was going to take everyone with me to the seventh layer of hell with my behaviors. Because I was self-destructive and I was not going to stop until I was dead. Mm-hmm. So that moment changed my life. And I, I cannot tell you how scared I was to say to somebody, I think I have a problem. I can't stop drinking. And if you're listening and you're like, that's not me, I'm a casual drinker. I only drink on the weekends. I get it. I get it. I started out drinking on the weekends. Mm -hmm. I started out drinking with friends and it became more and more. And I'm not saying that you're an alcoholic or you have a problem, but just stick with me and hear me out. I changed my life the day I stopped drinking and using drugs because I promised myself that day that I was going to, for the first time in my entire life, I was going to be honest with myself, which is so fucking hard. You can fool other people. Oh, it's so hard. Yes. But you can't, you can't get away from yourself. You can't fool yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, And I made a promise to myself, my husband and my boss at the time, I was going to be 100% honest with them. I allowed them to track me when I came to work. I shared my location. I I put in tools and I submitted to random breathalyzers Mm -hmm. because I knew that in order for me to do something different, I had to completely change my thoughts, my patterns, my actions, and my behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so the day I got sober was the day I changed my fucking life. Yeah. And it was overwhelming for me to think at the time, Misty, I can never have another drink. Right. I thought there's no way I can do this. And I remember having conversations with my husband and I would cry to him because he was two years sober when I got sober. Uh, and I remember he was already the, kind of going through he was, the process. He was there. Mm-hmm. And so 
it was nice to have a guide and a mentor, but at the same time, I remember being so mad at him and I would get so frustrated because he would tell me things like, babe, it gets easier. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm in the throes of, I'm in withdrawals right now. And you're telling me it gets better. And I can't even see myself getting to the end of this day without a drink. And so we would say, you don't have to, baby, you don't have to just get through the next hour. Yeah, And then and the next hour, then we'll have this conversation again. And trust me, we had so many of those conversations, but I, I couldn't see my life without alcohol or drugs ever. Mm-hmm. And being almost eight years clean and sober now, I can't imagine my life ever with those things yeah. because I was drinking for the wrong reasons. I was partying for the wrong reasons. I was trying to, I was looking for an external situation to fix an internal validation problem. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter whether it's gambling or shopping or food or sex or drugs or booze. When you're searching for something, you're always trying to fill that hole. And so I had to examine my life and the shadow parts of me that I didn't want anybody to see. The thoughts of I'm I'm not good enough. I don't belong here. I should be dead. I wish I was dead. I'm a piece of shit. I'm garbage. I don't deserve happiness. I don't deserve love. All of those things that I had been running from is what my relationship with alcohol was about. And so I have this, um, I have this philosophy now and I've had it since I stopped drinking and using that it's, if it doesn't add value to my life, I don't want any part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because the past couple months I have questions. So I was a super big partier in my twenties, like super big. Like I loved all the things. Um, well, not all the things, but most, uh, I loved then, all the things. Yeah. Yeah. There's some things I didn't ever even try actually, but some of the things I really loved. Um, and then as I got older, you know, I kind of like, you know, addiction is, is in my family there. I have a lot of things, a lot of you know, things at play there that are not my story to tell. Um, but it has affected me in various ways throughout my life. So as I got older, I kind of started like slowing down and, you know, um, actually my husband and I actually right around the time when we started getting our financial shit together, ironically, is when we kind of started going, you know what, we're spending all this money on beer and whatnot during the week. And we're not even really like doing anything. So we kind of stopped drinking during the week. We would really at this point only drink socially kind of thing. Right. Well, the past, like, couple months, I've really been like, okay, I had like three drinks last night. It did not change my night at all. Like I could have had the exact same night without these drinks and I wouldn't have the headache that I had. Like it's just starting to affect my body. Right. So I started questioning my relationship with alcohol. Like, am I drinking because I want to drink or am I drinking because they're drinking next to me? Or am I drinking because it's a habit? And it was really interesting where I challenged myself to not drink for like three weeks. Right. Um, and I was very consciously, I'm just not going to drink. There's nothing during this three weeks that I'm going to be like, I'm going to really want alcohol. And I would find myself, I was going like to ride bikes to the beach with my girlfriends. And I would find myself putting beer in my cooler when I knew I wasn't going to drink. And I'd literally stopped and I went, what am I doing? And I'm like, wait, this is a habit. And then I start now, I'm just kind of paying attention. And I'm very like, if like I went to Italy and I was like, I absolutely want to drink red wine. That was different than everyone around me is drinking. And I, and I want to have these beverages. Right. So like, so anyway, kind of started researching like sober curious and all these things. Right. And that's kind of what got me thinking about like the habits, right. Or, or the, our surroundings. And did you go through rehab or AA or anything like that? I did not go to rehab. I did go to AA. I went to AA and I went to NA meetings. Okay. So they teach you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but some I've learned through my family, but don't they teach you that it's kind of your responsibility, right? Like yeah. you're right. So yeah. I've been thinking about that because I'm like, all right, we, we're in this kind of culture still. I mean, yes, the healing is coming in and more people are having, you know, events without alcohol and stuff like that. So it is starting to shift. Um, but like, there's kind of still this, like, if you're not doing this thing, you don't really belong in this in this group or you don't belong in the, and I, and I think it's kind of fascinating because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, okay, some people can just have one drink and they'd like to have one and that's fine. So it's like, where, 
where do you think like the industry can kind of play a part in this like growth of stylists? Because I think there is a big difference. I mean, the salons that I worked in, the Christmas party was a shit show. Yeah. yeah. Shit show. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like <laughs> so yeah. like where where is the like line between like, hey, I want stylists who want to grow and want to be better and want to be the best versions of themselves and also still kind of have this, I don't know, like it's cool to just chill and have like a drink from time to time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, where, where's, where's the line? Where's the line? And is, and are we having this conversation? Cause we're older now and we're not 20 anymore. Like all the questions, right? Yeah. Like I want to dive into all the thoughts. <laughs> and again, for anyone listening, this is just us, our experiences, our opinion. We're just having an open conversation about it. So take what you, you know, yeah. take what you take need. Take what resonates. Yes. You and leave the rest. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So here's, here's a question I have. <clears throat> what value does alcohol have? Mm-hmm. What value does it add to your life? Um, if you're one of those people that you're like, I love a glass of red wine after a long day. Cool. I get it. I'm going to blow your fucking mind here. <laughs> there are alcohol free alternatives. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is a poison. Same as fucking nicotine, same as fucking meth, Coke, cigarettes, all that shit, right? It's a fucking poison. Mm-hmm. So I have tried alcoholic free champagne. It's fucking fire. Okay. And there's places that I can order it online and I have it delivered to my house that are clear across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, they have it in stores. They have it in liquor stores. They have, I've tried um, alcohol free gin because gin was my jam. Oh, bitch. I could They have alcohol free liquor. They have alcohol-free fucking liquor. I didn't know that. Yes. They have alcohol-free wine. Actually, the first time I had um, a glass of alcohol-free red wine, I put it down. I looked at the bottle. I was like, this isn't alcohol-free. I swear to fucking God. Interesting. I swear to God. So here's my thing. There are alternatives. Mm-hmm. If it's that you like the taste, if it's you like the the um, habitual action of it. Pouring that is a ritual sitting in front of your fire. That's a ritual. I'm not saying stop your rituals. I'm not telling you that you can't do these things, but being older and having eight years of sobriety under my belt. Now I see things differently. And so for me, you've never had, I've never had a, an earth shattering conversation when I've been high or when I've been drunk. I've had incredible moments of clarity and earth shattering conversations with friends when I have been sober, when I've been in the moment, enjoying them without booze or without drugs. So I'll challenge you. What is the value that alcohol adds to your life? Because I don't know if, can you think of any Misty? No, I mean, Well, I, again, I go back to Italy because I very much enjoyed my red wine in Italy, but it was because of the taste where I was and it didn't make me feel like crap. Right. Because that's the thing. And that's why I started questioning things in the first place was, wow, this alcohol is making me feel like crap. So it's not even worth having. So when I was having it and it didn't make me feel like crap, I'm like, this is great. You know, so I wonder now I'm actually going to go find this like a non-alcoholic red wine. I'll, I'll send like, you, I'll send you links. Yes, please I have do. All the links. Yes. Cause I'm like, now I'm like, okay. Cause it's still kind of like you said, like quenching that, like holding the glass and being in the moment and like, you know, feeling like you're kind of a part of everyone else without the side effects that I don't love. Cause red wine makes me cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either like super emotional or like, you know, um, or just end up having a headache and I'm in a bad mood. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's interesting that and I did see recently that Stella, I think, um, Andrew Carruthers actually posted this, yeah. that Stella, uh, has a non-alcoholic beer that tastes exactly like Stella yes. and I, and I yeah. love Stella. So I'm like, yeah. but here's the thing. There are alternatives out there. It's kind of like, um, when I went gluten-free, I had to go gluten-free because it's a, a migraine trigger. Mm-hmm. And so going from eating real bread to eating gluten-free bread <laughs> was really hard. <laughs> a I bet. Cracker does not taste like a motherfucking cheese. It okay? falls apart. <laughs> but here's the thing. Anything becomes a habit 
over enough time. We humans are adaptable creatures. And so, yes, at first I miss, there are times where I still miss Wonder Bread. No joke. Like I just want to eat a fucking slice of Wonder Bread. I want to shove it in my mouth. But I know for me, the repercussions are not fucking worth it. I cannot have a two day migraine that brings me down. I can't. So, you know, when, if you are thinking about doing these um, alcohol-free alternatives, there's going to be an adjustment period for Mm -hmm. sure. But that's with everything. It's like, you know, anytime we change anything, our brain likes to tell us no danger. That's not safe. Go back to your old ways. And we have to push past that and just say, you know what, I'm going to try this for 30 days. I'm going to challenge myself or, you know what, I'm going to have one glass of alcohol-free wine a week and just see how it goes. Because what I've learned is when I take out the distractions. So when I take out for me, um, I, I was born into a family of addiction. And like you said, it's not my story to tell, but there's addiction on both sides of my family. And so my addiction has been drugs, alcohol, and my eating disorder. And so when I got rid of those things, I had to find other healthy ways of coping. And so part of it was I had to sit with the feelings that came up too, because yeah, I want a glass of wine because I had a shit fucking day at work and I don't want to think about it or talk about it because what I did was I emotionally discounted because I felt bad. I didn't enforce my policies and my boundaries. And so now I feel like a piece of shit. So instead of dealing with it, what I'm going to do is I'm going to doom scroll on my fucking phone and I'm going to have even worse. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think if we all examine our relationship with alcohol or whatever numbing device we're using, I think it will reveal some really interesting things that we maybe don't want to deal with and we don't maybe want to face. And back to your question about like sort of this balance, this line of, you know, yes, you want to treat your employees to an amazing Christmas party. Um, I don't see anything wrong with not having alcohol there. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, a lot of times when you go to functions. So when, when I put together the balance stylist society retreat and we had our, um, mixer at top golf. I said, I'll pay for food. Y'all can pay for your own drinks. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's totally fair. If y'all go and you want to say it's BYOB to a Christmas party. But I think the more that we talk about this and the more we start to like really dive into our own personal relationship with alcohol, I think it becomes not so much like I'm going to control you. I'm, I'm not providing alcohol, but like, why can't, if they want it, why can't they bring it? Let's start there. Right. You know, well, if people and, want it. They bring it regardless. <laughs> that Trust me. That's, yeah. I had so many fucking flasks flask. I had a big old bangle. I was so proud of it. It was a giant bangle. And I thought it was so cool. And I would fill that shit with gin. I've and seen I would that before. It at the club. Yeah. That was me. That was me. I wore that shit to work and I'm like that in the back yeah. room. But you know, again, if, if people want to find a way, they're going to find a way. But I think that we're talking in this industry more about pricing, right? We're talking about boundaries. We're having clients sign policies. We're having lawyers draft these things. We're not just getting them off of fucking Google anymore. So we are talking about having a shift to a more professional industry, right? So why the fuck would we have booze at hair shows, at trade shows, If we want to be taken seriously and be taken professionally, and we're talking about policies and boundaries and procedures and pricing and all of these things, and we're, we're furthering our education, why the fuck are we still treating these hair shows like it's 1998 or 2004 and providing people booze? I promise you, everybody who's listening, I have been clean and sober for eight fucking years. I have had more good times in my eight years than in the previous 35 when I was fucked up. Mm -hmm. And I remember every conversation and I remember everything that happened. I don't wake up in the morning full of fucking regret and worry. I promise you, I've had so much more fun being clean and sober than I ever did when I was drinking. And at the time I thought, it's so much fun. I love partying. No, I don't. I don't. 
You know what I found really interesting during that three weeks? So it was, it almost felt like a social experience, a experience yeah, yeah. Coming, right? What I found super interesting and why I think a lot of people have a hard time like not drinking too is so there was one particular night where we had a couple people over at our house and I was the only one not drinking. So I do um, the Topo Chico's. Yes, like the mineral waters. Yeah. I love them. And they make me feel like I'm having a drink, right? They're like, they're a glass bottle. They have bubbles. Like they, they almost taste like a seltzer, but they're not, they're just mineral water. And that has kind of been my go-to when I am, you know, with other people. And it was very interesting. Everyone else was just having beers. No one was getting crazy. Right. And I had a friend and her friend come over who had been out and had a couple drinks. They didn't stay very long. And when they left, she texted me and she was like, I was the, you know, I just felt like no one else was drinking. So like, we just left. And in that moment, I was like, this is why it's hard. Yeah. Because I feel like if I'm having a drink, I'm making everyone around me comfortable. And if I'm not having a drink, I'm making everyone around me uncomfortable. And that sucks, right? Like that goes into the people pleasing aspect. But, but... But that's not like, I don't want to, you know, do things against what I feel and what I want for other people, but it's hard, right? Like there's that hard, you have to kind of let go. And I'm still friends with this person. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like, let her go, but like, you have to kind of let go of the, the people that aren't supporting the life that you want to live. And that is really difficult. It it is so fucking hard when I got sober. I had to cut so many people out of my life because they couldn't support me. And people that you think are friends and that I called friends and my best friend and I basically broke up because I got clean and sober and all she wanted to do was party. And she couldn't even just like not drink around me. And so it's heartbreaking. Like it's literally heartbreaking when you lose people that you thought were your friends because you're no longer participating in a certain lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I've learned and the, it, it's painful, there are so many painful lessons along this road, but I wouldn't trade the friendships that I have now for anything in the fucking world. The conversations that we have are so deep and meaningful and supportive and there's zero competition. It's It's super uplifting. And so I've been able to gradually, for lack of better terms, level up my friendships Mm -hmm. where the friendships were drinking and partying and going out and having fun. And, and, you know, I mean, I don't think our goal was to get smashed, but that was what ended up happening all the time. And I think about the conversations that we had, the ones that I can remember anyway, (laughs) there wasn't substance Right. To them. And there was a lot of gossip and there was a lot of um, just bullshit. And now the conversations that I have with my friends are we're talking about business and what we're doing in our business and what we're doing in our life and how we're, you know, going on these retreats. You and I were just talking before we um, hopped on the podcast about the ways that we're investing in ourselves with all of these retreats and these classes and, and all of these things. These are the conversations that I want to have with people now. Mm-hmm. it's not the same conversations I was having. So I think there's a point where you have to just choose you mm-hmm. over the relationships that are holding you back, that aren't helping you grow. I mean, look at your relationships now that you have and, and be really honest because you don't make progress. If you're not honest with yourself, take yeah. stock in those relationships and really do an inventory. What do we do when we get together? We go out, we have three drinks, you know, we always call an Uber to be safe. And I'm sure there's a good time had there, but is it productive? Are you uplifting each other? Are you challenging each other to grow? Those are the types of friendships that I want to have. And so there's loss that comes with when, when you make certain choices in your life, there are going to be people who don't support you. There are going to be people who cannot get on board with your vision. There are going to be people who think, oh my God, she thinks she's better than us because she doesn't drink. Can I tell you how many fucking times I heard that? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. All because that to me triggered something in them. Right. 
for you to say, oh my God, she thinks she's better than us. Ooh, we need to take a look at our own shit because it has nothing to do with that. And so when, when I first got sober, I didn't go out for a year. I didn't go to bars. I barely went to restaurants because there was the opportunity for alcohol. Um, I did go to a retreat six months after I got sober, a hair retreat. And there was, there was drinking, but there was also a sober person there. And I latched onto him. I was like, you, me the whole weekend, bro. Yeah. And I still had so much fun, but it was really hard in that year of shedding friends, shedding relationships. And there was a point where it was really lonely. Like it was really lonely. And, and it was hurtful, the things that people were saying about me, because I was trying to better my life. And I was trying to do something that made me happy. And that I felt was going to move my life forward instead of staying stuck in the same place that I'd been for 35 fucking years. And there was a lot of introspection that I had to do with myself and my relationships. I had to get really real about my relationships and how a lot of them were Mm self-serving. And I didn't want people to be mad at me and I didn't. So I would, you know, do whatever, but I drank my cocktail when I went out after the first year was um, Red Bull in a martini glass mm-hmm. with a bunch of Marchino cherries. And so people were like, oh, she's drinking a cocktail because I wasn't quite to the point where I could say I'm sober. It was still like, oh, I'm not drinking. Like I'm just, I'm not drinking. Well, and it's interesting too. So, so my family member that is very sober, like, you know, it, he, that's what he does. He gets a club soda or a ginger ale and he puts a lime on the glass because yep. he's tired of the conversation. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? He's tired of people asking, why aren't you drinking? Oh, come on, yep. have a drink with me. And like with what he does, he is around people drinking often. And like, he just is like, you know what, basically I'm just going to look like I'm drinking. So everyone will leave me alone, yeah. you know? And that's, great. You know what I mean? Like just to kind of, I don't know. And he also has this, like, doesn't want to make other people uncomfortable, which I think is something that, you know, you just going to do, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a projection, right? Like we Mm -hmm. project, like if, if I, in the past, you know, somebody's not drinking, I would almost feel guilty for drinking. And then I'm like, well, wait, why do I feel guilty? Like I don't have quote unquote, a problem, you know? And like, it's, it's really, really fascinating. Um, if you really think about, like I said, that's been very much a social experiment for me. And there are people that are like, oh, come on, come on, you know? And it's like, well, why? to make you feel better. So I can feel like crap. Like I'm still here. I'm still talking to you. I'm still having fun. I'm still laughing. Like, what does it matter? What I'm putting in my body is different than what you're putting in your body. Like it's, it's kind of a confusing, it's kind Mm -hmm. of confusing. (laughs) Society is is very interesting. (laughs) It is. And you know, I, I got that all the time. Like, Oh, come on, just one drink. Just like, just come on, have one drink. And I know for me, one drink is 12, which me ends up me in fucking jail or dead on the side of the road. Like, so I used to say, you know, oh, I can't have a drink because they break up, break out in handcuffs. Like I'm allergic. And I used to like joke about it. And now I'm like, no, I don't want to. (laughs) I'm in recovery. Like, and that shuts people up. And so if you're not in recovery, and people keep hounding you. You can say, I don't understand why you need me to drink so bad to have a good time. Yes. Ooh, I like that. Put that shit back on them. I like that. Well, because especially as women too, people automatically, oh, you're pregnant. Automatically. Oh my God. Fuck and it's off like, with it. Yes. Yes. God. Well, let's see this. What, what do you think the industry can play a part? Because again, like kind of going back to that, right? Like I've been to so many different hair shows, retreats, and and they all have a different vibe, right? Some of them have no alcohol at all. Some of them have a little bit. Some of them have a whole lot. And like, again, their whole thing is like surrounded. I mean, you know, the one particular one that I went to, the whole thing is surrounded around a party. And I remember leaving and going, well, that was fun, but I learned nothing. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and what, I don't know, like what I I, I will say the common denominator on all of these is the people, right? The people that you're attracting. And like some that I go to, you know, the majority of the people there are sober or just don't drink alcohol. Some I go to, it's a mix. Some everyone drinks, some, you know what I mean? And it, and it's, so I guess I'm answering my own question actually, as I'm asking the question is kind of bringing the right people, right? Like 
Because I mean, even at your retreat, right, you had alcohol at the VIP party. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't like a big open bar. It was one option. And people had one or two. And that was it. And and it wasn't this like party vibe. It was like, hey, if you want this, it's here. If you don't want it, it's not a big deal. And you're still fit in perfectly fine. So what would you say kind of the industry's, I don't want to say responsibility because I know it's like a personal responsibility, but like where can the industry kind of play into this, you think? Well, I think if we start focusing more on education, the content of these events versus now, don't get me wrong. I host events and I want everybody to have a good time. But at my retreat, other than the VIP party, there was no booze involved. And I changed lives. Misty, you changed lives. We all fucking changed lives and we had the best fucking time. That was the best weekend of my entire life. Mm -hmm. So when we focus on the educational content versus let's just have a good time. Let's fucking sell this out. Let's have a party. There's a time and a place for a party and you can have a party without fucking booze. But instead of focusing on the party mentality of let's all get together and just fucking have fun all weekend with booze. I would say, or your definition of fun. Right. Let's here's my definition. Let's get together. Let's fucking grow. Let's challenge each other. Let's fucking learn. And let's have a goddamn fucking fantastic time doing it. No booze. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when you're looking at events, And you're like, oh my gosh, I want to go to this hair show um, or I want to go to this class or I want to go to this um, retreat. Look at, look at what's planned. Look at what is happening. Who are the people that are going and like, ask yourself, do I, is this something that I want to be a part of? And and why do I want to be a part of it? Because those bigger hair shows um, that are known for the parties like you said, you're going to go, you're going to have fun. You're going to meet people. You're going to mingle. Yeah, absolutely. But are you going to learn anything? So did you just spend two grand on a trip to go have fun and write it off as an educational event? And if if that's what you want to do, cool. That's your cup of tea. But focusing on who are the people speaking? What am I going to learn from this? You know, and who can I bring to this so that I have a backup or I feel comfortable or, you know, we can grow and learn and and challenge each other together because I don't know that drinking in this industry will never not go hand in hand. I think it is becoming less of a focus, at least in some circles. And I'm hoping that those circles have more and more influence, just like the conversation that you and I have are having right now by having this conversation you know, we are doing that. And so that's my hope for the industry is that we start to act more professional. And that means you don't get to drink at work. That means you don't get to talk about fucking partying. I mean, you go to fucking corporate America. Yeah, I'm sure they drink, but they do it after work. They don't do it at work. They don't fucking talk about getting shit canned on the weekend. So if we want to be treated more professionally, it's up to us, the individual to act more professional and responsible. And if that means choosing to not go to events and missing out on things, then that's a choice you have to make. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Cause I know some people are going to listen to this and they're like, well, that's not me. I can have one beer a month and and it's fine. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. that's fine. We might not be talking to you right now. Yeah, <laughs> you know absolutely. what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, But yeah, it's an interesting topic because again, I, uh, you know, going to all these various things, I just, I very much notice the more, as I've gotten older and the more things I've gone to that, that are directly for my growth, not just to have fun, not just to buy a new pair of scissors at a hair show for cheaper, not just to party. I'm meeting more high level people who are doing more cool shit than getting drunk. They're doing more cool shit, not worrying about looking cool. And I think that that has been fascinating because I'm, again, I think everything I've been to in the past two years, I have had numerous conversations with people who are completely sober. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I can't say the same for when I was going to hair shows at the beginning, you know, again, it was just a big shit show. And it was like weird if somebody went to bed early and didn't drink, you know what I mean? And like that, that has to end. Um, that has to end, especially I know for the people listening to this podcast, you have a growth mindset. Like you would not be listening to this if you didn't. So I know that this resonates with people. Um, so to all my sober stylists out there, fucking good for you. I'm proud of you. I don't yeah. think we hear that enough, yeah. you know? And again, and I say that as somebody who's not fully sober, I don't want to like 
pretend I'm somebody that I'm not. And I, I do love my edibles at night. Okay. So <laughs> I'm just going to be very transparent. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of praise that should be given to y'all because I think it's hard. I mean, like I said, I did it for three weeks just to like test it and it wasn't easy. And I, you know, I, I don't like, I can have one beer, you know what I mean? And it still was difficult. Like I can't imagine. I just can't imagine. So I commend you for one, speaking out about it. Um, to having this conversation with me about it and then creating the atmosphere that you're creating because it very much at that retreat was an atmosphere of growth and everyone was welcome. It didn't matter what you looked like, what you do for fun, like whatever, like everyone was welcome. So thank you for creating what I think is very needed in this industry, Sarai. Oh, thank you. Don't make me cry. I'm I, I'm I mean, my you know. feels. No, <laughs> thank you. You know, I... I'm going to keep doing these retreats and creating spaces where everybody's welcome. Literally everybody. I don't give a fuck if you are a heavy drinker, if you're a pot smoker, if you do drugs recreationally, if you've got a drug problem, if you're clean and sober, I don't give a fuck because there's an opportunity for all of us to grow. Mm -hmm. And I want to provide a space and I want to provide events that give us all the opportunities to grow. And just because I'm doing something doesn't mean it's the right way or the way that you have to do it. We've, we all grow up so differently and and see life through different lenses. And you know, what works for me isn't going to work for everybody else. And I know enough now I would, I don't judge people for that. I, I don't, what I do is my life. And it's because of the consequences that I've had in my life. And so everybody's at their own point and their growth and their journey and expansion and all of that. And I just want to continue to provide a safe space for everybody to better themselves, to grow, to learn, to make connections with other humans who want the same thing. And so by fostering that, I think that is a way that we can kind of get away from this, you know, party lifestyle bullshit. We're still going to have fucking fun. We're going to have the best fucking time, but drugs and alcohol don't need to be involved. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's sometimes just having one conversation with somebody that you meet at these things that are, you know, a little different than you can go a really, really long way. Dude, I saw it in person at my event. Mm-hmm. People literally came from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And there was a girl from the UK. Mm-hmm. And I know she was super nervous. She's going to listen to this. I know <laughs> she is. I want to drop her name so bad, but I won't. You know who you are. But I watched her kind of drop her shell. She had a hard candy shell when she came in because she's had bad experiences with this industry, with hairstylists in the past and watching her create these friendships that they went and got fucking tattoos together at like, are you kidding me? But that's the kind of shit that we should all want to be part of is those events that you can come as you are, you can be who the fuck you are, and you never know who you're going to meet and what opportunities are going to come from that. And that girl who flew from the UK now works for me. She's one of my fucking educators in Ballad Stylist Society. Did she think that was going to happen? Fuck no. But she came over, she opened herself up to conversations and opportunities and look what the fuck happened. Yeah. Yep. And you know what, as you were saying that, I think like the perfect like example of like how our industry can be more like inclusive to all different kinds of quote unquote fun, I guess. I don't know what else to call it right now, um, is if somebody shows up and they say, I don't do this or I don't do that, just say, cool. And then have a different conversation. Yes. Yes. You don't (laughs) need to ask. 101 questions. Yes. Oh, why? Oh, come on. Just have one. Oh, you know what I mean? Like just Cool. Yeah. Move on. Super (laughs) simple. Super simple. That's the best life tip I've ever heard. Yeah. (laughs) Goodness. Oh, anyway. At the end of the day, I'm going to be really honest. It's none of your fucking business. Right. It's none of your fucking business. Like, honestly, maybe they drunk drived and they fucking killed somebody. Yeah. You don't know. Maybe their father overdosed. You don't know. And quite frankly, it's not any of your business. So just by saying, cool. Awesome. And then moving on is the best thing you can do for somebody that tells you something like that. 
Yep. And if somebody says that and you feel funky, like you're doing something wrong because you're still drinking, you do need to dive into that for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's when you got to take a fucking long, hard look in that mirror. Yes, exactly. Um, Sarai, of course, I love this conversation as always. Is there any kind of last words? I mean, I feel like we've said a lot, but is there any kind of last words for the listeners, especially the ones who have made it this far? <laughs> Well, if you've made it this far, thank you. Thank you. You're the real MVP here. Um, I would just challenge everybody who's listening in this next week or, or upcoming weekend to just take a long, hard look at your relationships, your, your friendships, your intimate relationships, your relationships with your coworkers, and take a look at your relationship with all things that could be addictions or could be coping mechanisms. And I'm talking doom scrolling. I'm going to say social media. Smoking. Yes. I'm talking about all of it. Just honestly, take a journal out, get a fucking piece of paper or voice memo yourself and just really start to dive into your relationships, your relationship with yourself and your relationship with your coping mechanisms, because we all have them. And some of them are healthy and some of them are unhealthy. Because if you are listening to the podcast, like Missy said, you do have a growth mindset. You want to do better. You want to create a better life for yourself. And so, yes, we can do that in the financial way, a hundred fucking percent. But if we don't have our internal shit together, and I know you talk about this all the time, we can't have our external shit together. So I want to challenge you just to take inventory, see what's serving you. We even put it in categories, things that you're not going to let go, things that are maybe I can like give up. And then things that you're like, okay, bitch, this got to fucking go and just see where that leads you to. Amen. Sarai, thank you so much. Thank you, friend. You are very welcome. Um, And, you know, I mean, I actually, I'm going to tell everyone, if you're listening to this and you resonate with this in any way, please DM me, DM Sarai, the Platinum Giraffe on Instagram. Um, I, I'm I'm going to assume that she's yes. open to the I'm conversation. I'm nodding my head, yes. Y'all can hear <laughs> yeah. that, but yes, please do. DM me. <laughs> yes, please let us know um, because, again, I it's something – I had shared a little bit about this a couple – when I first, like, was starting that three-week thing, and the amount of DMs of, like, oh, my God, I feel that was very interesting to me from people that I know personally that I was shocked. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's a good conversation to be had. So thank you so much for coming on and having it. Thank you for having me, friend. Once again, thank you for listening to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. I appreciate each and every one of my listeners more than you know. If you like what you hear, please screenshot this episode, share it with a friend, share it on social media, and don't forget to tag me, Misty Jane, and the podcast at Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. You can even take it a step further and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Talk with you on the next one.